This is the Brisbane Football Review with your host, James Coglin. One of these days, I will master the ability to complete a sentence. Scott Owen. Right, what would I know? I'm just the weekend host around here. And Adam Pace. Look, I think of what other choice you have. Starting now. Well, we hope everybody had a very Merry Christmas. Hello, everyone. It's time for another edition of the Brisbane Football Review. And as we labour through the Christmas New Year period with a lot less to talk about than we originally thought about, it is James Scott and Adam here with you on this Tuesday evening. And yeah, we've only actually got one game to recap for you on Clutch Radio. Scott, how was your Christmas? It was quiet and peaceful. Good for a change. How about yours, James? It was pretty good. Got to see the family, spend some time with the wife's family, and do a little bit of preparation for the new arrival in March. Adam, how about you? Yeah, I'm good. Uh, Christmas, yeah, a very quiet Christmas, but that's not always a bad thing. Yes, we were expecting a feast of football, but after multiple uh, matches were cancelled, including a pair of Brisbane Raw men's fixtures, we wound up being able to spend a little bit more downtime with our friends and family over the very, very long weekend. And that's not always a bad thing, but it does mean we do have a lot coming your way still on this edition, which will be number 12 for season six, if I remember correctly, or 11, I'm not sure. Whatever it is, we're pleased to be coming to you on Clutch Radio. And you can get in touch with us, BrisbaneFootballReview at gmail.com, Facebook, The Raw Review, Twitter at BNEFootball, you can find live coverage of every senior Brisbane Raw match, men's and women's, whenever they actually go ahead, as well as select FFA Cup and NPL Queensland matches, and that will be getting underway before too long as well. Uh, podcasts, you can find us on A-League Live, iTunes, Wooshka, Spotify, TuneIn Radio. Feel free to leave a rating and review if you are still loyal listener over what is a fairly dead patch of the season, but... In the meantime, we will get on with it, uh, just in terms of what we do have coming up for you. We'll recap Thursday's Raw A-League women's match down in Canberra, discuss the men's postponement, and since it is the final show for 2021, and the last show before 2022, we'll have a bit of a calendar year in review and the 2022 predictions, and look at the coming weekend ahead, once again, assuming the matches go ahead. Adam, it was a 3-2 loss for the Raw down in Canberra. Can you sum it up in one word? Uh, well, stars, it wasn't a 3-2 loss. It was a 3-all draw. 3-3 three, three draw. I'm really sorry about it that. It felt like a loss, though, to be brutally oh, but honest. No, actually, actually, yeah, I was, I was actually going to pivot to that. It did actually feel like a loss because this is another squandered uh, lot of points of the Raw. And uh, it's it's really telling that, you know, that given... Uh, their sort of volleys as far as conceding goals inside the last 10 minutes, um, it would be a very, very different season had, you know, the Raw um, the raw defence held up late in games. So, yeah, look, it is a point, but uh, look, to be honest, uh, it did feel like a loss, and that's the impression I felt, you know, after, after the game. You know what? I'm going to stand by my original statement. It was a loss. I don't care that the score said 3-3. Yeah, well, you can stand by that. I said by some other stuff, but we'll move on from that. Um, the Raw should be on at least seven points out of 12 here, James. They should have beat Perth, beat Canberra, and got at least a point off Perth when they played them at home. And if they were on at least seven points at the moment, you'd say, you know what, they're in a pretty good position to contend once again. But being on, what, is it two points now from the first four games? 
it's just it almost feels like as a club right now they've like walked under a ladder or broken a mirror or something because everything that can go wrong in the in this league season both men and women seems to be going wrong doesn't it just to lead 3-1 at against Canberra midway through the second half it should be a win in the and maybe six minute yeah and maybe you know what in the MPL it would be a win and that might be the mentality issues that some of these players need to need to go through is when they're 3-1 up in the NPL with 10 minutes to go, they ne- they would never lose those games, particularly the clubs that a lot of these players are playing for. Whereas in the, in the A-League at this level, you can never switch off because the quality's a bit higher. So maybe that's the sort of thing that collectively across the board they need to look at. But for this to happen twice in four games, James, it's a bit of a concern. Well, it's the th- th- third time in four games, really. Just late collapses. And at some point, you've got to wonder... Is it a mental issue? Are they not conditioned enough? Is it is it just a little bit of fatigue with the fact that you've got these players coming off what is essentially a ridiculously long uh, NPL season, which came on the back of a hectic and frantic finish to the 2020 NPL season? And are they just physically not up to the challenge at the moment with the step up to the A-League women? Yeah, I, look, I think it's a number of things. I think it, it is... Um... I think the most important thing is, I think it's a lack of belief. I think, I think it's almost what it comes down to that, you know, save the Melbourne victory game where I think at the end of the day that was probably the right result. Maybe the very late goal from Larissa Crummer maybe, um, maybe sort of flooded the result as well as the subsequent form line was just that that was a flattering result. But they should never have lost both games against Perth. And they should not have drawn this game against, against Canberra. They, they were in control. Um, and it seems like one if one thing happens bad, it's almost like drop the bundle and then, you know, and there's no way back. And I think mentally as a group, I think, and when I say group, I, I, I sort of look, I think that, you know, the attackers are doing their job. And we always said that would be a strength of the of the Royal Women, was would be their attacking. But defensively, they are just all at sea at the moment. Um, and for, with the exception of Jesse Rashad, who I think has been, you know, very, very good trying to fill a Claire Polkinghorn sized you know, gap in that defence. But um, unfortunately, I've got to start asking questions about the rest of them because, look, once it happens, you say, oh, well, that was unlucky. Twice you go, oh, oh it might be a problem. Three, three times it's happened in four games. Uh, Garrett McPherson and his team have got a really big problem. Yeah, and that is, that is a big issue. And it is going to fall all on the shoulders of Gareth McPherson, who you have to remember is, for all intents and purposes, our first-time head coach. He's at this level his first-time head coach, isn't he? We know he's got a lot yes. of experience in the local leagues here, but I'm sure that this is something... He's got experience at this level as well, actually, to be fair, as as the assistant to Mel Andretta. So he knows the level. It's just... I'm not sure whether it's a coaching thing or if it's a player switch or what it is, but it's something that has to be addressed because we've seen the side has got the quality to, to compete at this level, James. And they should, as I said earlier, they should have at least one win, probably two, to their... To their um, to their tally right now and they'd be in a pretty good position at the turn of the year as it stands now they're really battling uphill I know they didn't they were winless in their first four last season James but that was four draws so they were what's that three points less than they were this stage last year and they needed every single one of those four points at the start of the year to scrape into the top four and get the home final so they've really got a lot of work to do and that, that it's going to have to start by seeing games out for me the biggest surprise out of all of this is you know, we watch the NPL, unlike a commentator uh, from the match, but we've seen these sides get so good at closing down uh, g- 
games when they need to, showing that killer instinct late in the game. You look at the Lions players, you know, Connors, Hecker, uh, Clough. The way that they finish games in the NPL season, they were all, that was their strength. They always made sure they finished stronger than their opponents. And that, for me, is just the most surprising thing. Seeing the tables turned, where now they're the ones, you know, frantically holding on for dear life, feeling like the inevitable tidal wave of the opposition is going to overtake them. It's actually funny that you mentioned the Lions uh, players, because the one game that's, that springs to mind um, is their, their, their only blemish of the whole season was against Mitchelton, where it was the same same thing. Where they, were, they were cruising at they 3-0 up at half-time, a goal early in the second half to Mitchelton, and they, they leaked two um, uh, two goals you know, in, in the last 10 minutes, which was absolutely, at the time, uh, it was inexplicable. Look, I'd like, I'd like to say and hope that, that that the Raw do pretty much what Lions did after that, and then not concede a goal in about 1,000 minutes, because that was how Robatsky fixed the situation. They basically locked, locked down that defence, but... Unfortunately, we're, we're talking higher levels here at the moment. I would never expect the raw defensive be able to put on that sort of performance, but they need to be improved. And I think it also starts with, you know, actually trying to figure out what is their best back four combination. You know, who goes around Jesse Rasher? Because at the end of the day, you know, like I said, especially with the situation now they've got um, Isabella Folletta coming into the side, um, it's completely made the water about who is their best four at the back or is four at the back even what they need. Do they need to go to five? You know, you know it's, it, this, is, this is where Ant questions need to be raised. And I'm sure that is what is running through the head of the uh, Raw coaching staff right now, going, how do we uh, manage that back four or five or even three to have it at its best? Because we know the, they've got two very strong attacking fullbacks uh, in Clough and Jamila Rankin. But Rankin wound up having to start the match in the centre of defence to uh, accommodate the introduction of Bella Folletta and for me I honestly I, I thought that Folletta was uh, more suited to a central defensive role anyway and that replaced Annie Haffenden so for me it's a case of just finding the best combinations and seeing what will work out yeah I'm not sure Jamila Rankin is the solution at centre back an outstanding young left back James I agree with you there I don't think that's the solution at centre back but it might have to be if they don't view Izzy Folletta as a centre back that might have to be the situation they do have Nat Tatham to come back in at some point off the back of her knee injury whenever that whenever she's available but it's just I wouldn't I would stick with the back four because I think the players in front of them are actually playing really well in the structures of a three in midfield and three up front and I wouldn't want to disturb that too much it's just they've got to get the back line right if they can get that right they can cut out the some of the mistakes and, and start winning some games and with that attacking talent and all you really need is a defence that's good enough you don't need them to, you know, keep a clean sheet for a thousand odd minutes. You just need them to concede one less goal than what your attackers are capable of scoring. And as we've seen in all four games so far, creating chances isn't the problem for this raw side. They've got a phenomenal group of attack attackers, and what that's five goals in their last two games now. And if you do want to look at the positives, the fact that they're now scoring goals, you know, and they're never going to have a hundred percent conversion rate. That's just football. The fact that they're now scoring goals has to be, you know, something that you have to try and uh, look to build on. And you hope that that's something that um, Gareth McPherson is going to be saying because that's the other thing as well. Like, I don't think it is good management to, you know, just completely rip apart your team 
and say, you know, oh, this is all rubbish. You need to find a way to focus on the positives and keep the confidence of what is a fairly young squad as high as possible. Because let's be honest, three of those uh, four results have been absolute kicks to the uh, gut. And it just doesn't... It is something that you look at and go, that could absolutely destroy the confidence of this side if the manager then comes in over the top and says, this is all rubbish. There, It's not all bad. And that's... like, It sucks, but there is a foundation there that they can build on. It's the attack. And that's where I'm hoping that we'll be able to do it. But right now, it's just remembering that this isn't a rugby game it's football it's 90 minutes not 80 and that's where I just keep coming back to because look I don't really hold anything against uh, the concession uh, from Grace Ma that was just a thundering free kick that was too good but that last goal I I said this to my wife at about the 85th minute I was like there's you know you really hope that they have the confidence to hold on for these final 10 minutes but it's all it's all there for the taking Scott? You could almost sense it was coming as well, didn't you? Because we were talking about it in the group chat as the game was going. And we got back to... <laughs> when it got to 3-2, I, thought, I said in our group chat about, about what 30 seconds before the goal went in, if this gets to 3 or my laptop's going out the window, I think the next message in there was, goodbye laptop. So you could sense it was coming, <laughs> but looking ahead for this team, James, they've got... I think victory away is their next fixture early in the new year. But after that, they've got Western we Sydney, hope. Wellington and Newcastle. If they're going to salvage this season, that's got to be nine points. They've got to win those three. Because the, the last four or five games of their season are very difficult. They've got Sydney FC and Melbourne City in that run-in. So those three games, Western Sydney, Wellington and Newcastle, they've got to take advantage of those games if they're going to make anything of this season. Yeah, that's exactly it. And look, that, this isn't a season where finals are a realistic goal anymore, just purely because of the way the results have gone in the first four weeks. However... If they can get themselves up into that, you know, fifth, sixth place and give themselves something to, you know, look ahead for next season, then we might be able to sit back and go, okay, it was a rough start to the season, but this is, you know, to go for the cliche term, a rebuilding year. And that's maybe something that we're going to have to uh, look for as well. But it wasn't all bad. And that's what I'm going to have to uh, leave this segment with. Adam, do you have any final thoughts? Well, I was just going to say a couple of things. Just um, that, look, the frustration is what it's all about because if, if you could see that the side wasn't good enough, they're getting played off the park, you'd say, you know what? It is what it is, they're rebuilding. But the fact is that we are seeing enough in attack to say if they get their defence right, like I said, they can compete. Like there were times against Melbourne Victory where you'd say, wow, they're in this game. And I, we'll deal, we'll deal the, looking ahead to the victory game on Sunday. But also the other thing I want to sort of raise that I, I think Katrina Gorey as well. She she was amazing um, on Thursday. I think that was probably her best game in. And Adam has just frozen up on Skype. So if I'm talking over you on your end, Adam, I apologise. But in the meantime, Scott. Yes. We might just. Yep, okay, so Adam has just come back to us now. This is the joys of uh, online recording. Adam, Welcome I'm, back. Just going to assume, I'm going to assume you yeah, made a uh, wonderful a song, point song there. didn't like what I said. We'll, uh, we'll catch up on your point there yeah. as um, we keep going, but so I think we might wrap up this uh, A-League Women's recap with the 3-2-1s, and since it is round four, it is my turn for it. 
three points, Katrina Gorry, two Anna McGrath, one Shay Connors. I thought overall, McGrath has been actually probably the biggest surprise of the season uh, for me. I think she's been contributing at both ends of the pitch and is showing a wonderful bit of progression as well. And Gorry, yeah, just continues to be insanely good and is probably the only uh, player from this raw side at the moment that would justify a call-up for the Matildas in the Asian Cup. It's a good point you make about Anna McGrath quickly as well, James. The one thing that Anna needed to add to her game was goals, and we started to see that this year. And if that can continue over the course, that's the sort of progression that you want to see from a player who's had a couple of years at this level now and taking that next step. It's a good it's a good sign to get a couple of goals early in the year. It certainly is. Uh, and, yeah, gut punch results, but... We're not going to uh, start suggesting they burn down the village by any means whatsoever. Still something to build on going forward. Okay, now, we would be talking about the pair of results for the A-League men's side as well. However, the FFA Cup clash from last Wednesday night got postponed on the day of game. Um, It was an issue with the flight crew on the charter uh, plane that the Raw and APL had lined up, so... They were unable to fly down to Sydney. And just very quickly on that as well, that is exactly why I get the feeling the uh, match was not forfeited instead of um, just being postponed like it was, Adam, because I understand it was a situation that was out of the rules' hands. Well, absolutely. Like, despite what uh, some some Sydney FC fans were carrying on about, and um, I think they were incited by the original the original um, report on Twitter that they had, quote, missed their flight, as opposed to, well, it's a bit hard when the flight doesn't show up. So, um, so yeah, exactly. I think that would have been very, very unjust if uh, if any action was taken against the Raw. This is the this is the problem at the moment in the COVID era, is that this sort of stuff can happen. So, so yeah, uh, like I said, I, like I said, I know that the Raw themselves gave... Uh, Gave the uh, gave Phil McAuliffe a bit of a whack over that, um, as far as clarifying that no one missed the flight, that the flight never actually showed up. Well, an you important know, the, distinction. Uh, yeah. Yes, a very important distinction, but you know how it is with certain uh, reporters. First and wrong is still first. But yep. anyway, uh, that wasn't the only raw postponement this weekend. However, they were supposed to be playing Melbourne City. About 24 hours ago from when we were recording, but uh, that match was postponed after a COVID outbreak in the Melbourne City squad, which also saw their FFA Cup match uh, postponed as well. Scott? Yes. Quite frustrating, isn't it? It is very frustrating, isn't it? This is the second of three... This is the, we're meant to be the third home game for the Raw. It's the second one which has been postponed to the Perth game as well. Uh, it's it's Look, it is understandable. I think the APL have now set a precedent, haven't they, that if five players from the previous match sheet come down with COVID, the game can be postponed. I think that's the rule that they've come out with in recent days. So it fits perfectly into that. But from a Brisbane perspective, it's very frustrating because this would have been a game where they would have been looking to build on summer holidays, get a big crowd up to Morton Daly Stadium and, and really try and kickstart the season. Now that obviously game is going to be postponed probably midweek in when school is back on and people are back at work. It won't be quite the same atmosphere, will it? So it's a, it is a missed opportunity for them. I can see why, but there's not a lot we can do about it at the moment, unfortunately, is there? Easter holidays would be a wonderful time to uh, play that catch-up match just quietly. Uh, but overall, yeah, Adam, I, I want to ask you about this now. Um, 
we have seen the APL come out, as Scott mentioned, with that uh, clear COVID policy because that is something that we've seen not just with uh, the A-League but with the Premier League, uh, NBA, NFL, a lot of the sport, major sports leagues that are going on at the moment. There has been a certain ambiguity about what it will take to get a match postponed. So is this a step in the right direction? Look, I think the main thing is that there's transparency in the situation that we know exactly that if it's if it's five players that are unavailable because of close contact or actually are test positive, then at least uh, that we know where it is. Like I said, you know, some other sports like NFLs we've been watching all weekend as a substitute for uh, the A-League. Uh, like I said, we know they're incredibly ruthless as far as that. And like I said, they basically... There are no postponements. Uh, you just got to find the players to fill your roster. If it means signing players that are, that you know weren't even on the practice squad, um, as New Orleans Saints found out uh, today, um, yeah, so be it. So I'm glad that the APL at least are not going to those links saying, "Oh, it's a, it's a all or nothing." You know, you, you got you got to play it no matter what. I think there's at least some uh, common sense to it, but at least we know now what what the actual you know line is as far as. Yeah, you know, the game go ahead versus game postponement. And just on that as well, I think I was actually uh, had a few missed calls from the Washington professional football team to play wide receiver for them last weekend. Some of those replacement players are better than the players who actually represent their teams. I can vouch for that very much so, particularly quarterbacks in the state of Ohio. And I won't go any further into that, but I will say, in all seriousness, James, um, a lot of a lot of sports are trying to figure out how to deal with this new. New variant. I mean, we saw the Premier League decide, well, we're gonna they're gonna postpone a few games here and there. I'll push them back, and that was one approach. It seems like at the moment there's no clear, clear, obvious plan that everyone is following. It's almost like whatever each individual sport feels is the best. So it'll be interesting to see which method is ends up being the best. But I think at the moment, at least in the A League, there's a clear policy of if this is what if this is what happens, this is the path we go. And that's. Probably the one issue that uh, we're finding here in Australia is just the states having such wide, like such a wide uh, range of different COVID policies. That was one of the reasons why uh, Victory didn't actually fly up to Queensland to take on the Gold Coast Knights in the FFA Cup uh, because they were worried they'd be deemed close contacts and have to go into seven days isolation, which, you know, down from 14. So, again, step in the right direction. And you've got, you know, other places overseas which are saying, yeah, if you test positive, that's whatever it is it is going to make life really tough and it does also um see, you know see a very different approach where with the nfl they've got two weeks left in the regular season whereas here we're only at round seven six seven something like that so that does mean yeah. that it that does mean that it is going to be um you know they do have a bit more leeway in terms of postponements but look if we've learned one thing you're never going to find a coverall solution that's going to make everybody happy. Some people are going to want to play through. Some people are going to want, you know, the entire season cancelled. And most people are going to be somewhere in the middle. Yeah, it's much easier to move a couple of A-League games and move a billion-dollar Super Bowl. Which is why the yeah. NFL doing what they're doing anyway. Yes, well, the NFL also... It could be like... worse. It could be the England cricket team. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they lost the Ashes in, uh, was it, less time than they were in quarantine on the Gold Coast? Fun yep. stat. Yeah, oh, that, that might be my favourite cricket-related stat, and possibly... Uh, I'm know. seeing the atrocity of today. Um, I actually think that some of those England players will wish they tested positive yesterday. Yeah, well, you never know. All right. Now, 
we're actually pretty much out of football match things from the past week to talk about. So, as this is our final episode for 2021, barring some major breaking news story, please let there be no major breaking news story, we're going to do our 2021 year in review. So I'm going to ask some questions of the two of you, and uh, there'll be NPL, A-League, and maybe national team related, and just see uh, how we can go with some quick-fire responses. So, first of all, Adam, we'll lead off with you. What was your favourite A-League match of the season, men's or women's? Ooh, um, geez, put me on the spot here. <laughs> um, look, uh, I, I thought um, uh, there's a couple of Raw games I thought that were, you know, at the back end of last season, I thought that were fairly decent. I'm just... Uh, especially uh, the the game against Western United up at um, at Morton Day is one that that comes to mind. Uh, Ricky Danzaki uh, scoring that late winner, um, which pretty much put them into the finals. Um, that that one sticks out in my mind. Um, from a from a neutral aspect, uh, like I said, I think a couple of Sydney derbies I think were, were sort of uh, worth uh, were worth shouting. And yeah, but, but yeah, that's pretty much yeah, trying to. Rack back in my mind, that's probably where I'd land on it. Okay, Scott, he stalled uh, for long enough to give you a chance to think of an A-League match of the season for you. I'm glad you um, repeated the question because I was actually checking for breaking news while you were while Adam <laughs> was talking then. But I do have an answer. Uh, Brisbane Raw 4, Central Coast Mariners 0. Uh, I think it was some point back end of the season. I think it was April the game where Alex Parsons scored night. his first goal. So that for me was my favourite moment of the year from a Raw perspective. Neutrally, I think the Melbourne Derby the other week down there, the, the Christmas Derby was outstanding. But from a raw perspective, that win over the Mariners was fantastic. I will I will echo that for the um, A-League uh, overall match, the Christmas Derby down in Melbourne. Uh, for the raw, I'm going to give it... I'm, I can't split it between two uh, men's matches. Uh, the first one was the Adelaide United 3-1 win up at Morton Daly Stadium in late January. The uh, We had to delay it because there was lightning in Sydney game. With, we got to see just a brief... That was in late January, yeah. And then I think it was a week or two later when they absolutely blitzkrieged Melbourne victory in a, game, in a result that admittedly became less and less impressive as we saw the victory continuing to uh, spiral out of control and nosedive. However, that is uh, those two are probably my favourites. And look, I know the result didn't go their way, but there was just something unbelievably gripping about that women's semi-final at Lion Stadium against Melbourne Victory as well. It it was just wild, wacky, and just utterly out of control. Yeah, that that was outstanding. Well, that was an unbelievable match. Also, the Claire Polkinghorn game where she broke the record and had that big celebration at Lions was great. But I was just going to say, you mentioned that Melbourne Victory game. That was uh, my big disappointment really, because I wasn't there. So that explains why it was a massive win for the Raw, because I wasn't there. So maybe I should miss more games. <laughs> oh, all right. Uh, let's go State League then. Uh, Scott, we'll start off with you this time. What was your highlight from the overall NPL, FQPL men's and women's uh, year? I'll steer clear of the obvious with the grand final, so I'll leave them completely out of it. I'm going to go with a game which I was actually up at Morton Daly Stadium at a Raw game and high-tailed it down the freeway and got there at half-time for the three-all draw between Lions FC and Olympic at Lions Stadium. The score at the time, I think, was 2-0 to Lions when I got there, and then Olympic came surging back, and it was a three-all draw, and 
the quality of the goals in the second half were absolutely sublime and made the made the drive well worth it. So that was my personal highlight of the year in the NPL among among many. Adam, I'm going to give you a couple of extra seconds to think of your answer because I've got a men's game and women's game that I want to specifically highlight. Uh, it was Penn Power Gold Coast Knights at AJ Kelly Park in September. I had to race down from the Sunshine Coast from my nephew's birthday party to commentate on it. And it was uh, Panetta's late strike to win the game. That was just, like, again, just an utterly gripping game of football that I needed a big lie down afterwards. Scott, quick thought? I was just going to say, oh, go ahead, sorry, finish, finish your thought. And for the women, I forget if it finished 3-2 or 4-3. I think it was 4-3 to Kapalabar. Um, it was uh, one of the first games actually we ended up having to do remotely um, out of the studio at Cooperoo. But uh, Kapalabar-Morton Bay women's game was on a Friday night. Larissa Crummers, I think it was her debut for Kapalabar, yeah. and she scored the winner in about the 92nd minute. But the other memory of this, and Adam, I can see you uh, looking on with a little bit of dread... You were actually standing just under where the camera is, so every so often on the broadcast, if you go back and listen to it, you can actually hear Adam talking throughout it as well. <laughs> <laughs> Might hit up well, NPL TV yeah, after this. No, nice uh, nice tee up because that actually, um, actually both uh, my favourite memories from the NPL season were both at Walter Park. That that my, from a women's point of view, that was my favourite game because that was that was a great game. That one um, that had it was full of drama. Um, like I said, I think Morton Bay had that one three times, and somehow, some way, Larissa Crummer herself pulled that back. Um, so it wasn't the result we wanted, but it was a great game. As far as the men's goes, um, yeah, it was um, a game mid-season between uh, Brisbane Royal Youth and Morton Bay, which ended up uh, where Morton Bay, where I think it was uh, three-two or four-three. I can't remember what the score was, but Morton Bay scoring twice late, um, yeah, 4-3, it's, uh, it's got some motioning, uh, scored twice late to, to win that game, and, and, uh, yeah, that was just outstanding, outstanding goals as well on that, so, so, yeah, like I said, both, um, yeah, both games, yeah, were close to home at, Mort- at Walter Park, but, look, also, I guess, just to find indulgence as well, um, I think the, the best story out of, um, uh, 2021 was the fact of the re-emergence of Brisbane City. I think uh, that you know, after the absolute disaster of 2020 getting relegated, seeing seeing the club being rebuilt and you know, rise again, I think that was also worth mentioning. We might get into that in the season preview, James, but trust Adam to go with the uh, self-interest of as the Mayor of Morton Bay. I was just going to say, if we'd actually been able to get to the game Capalabar versus Redlands on the final night of the season, that would have oh, been yeah. the highlight of the obviously circumstances of around the FFA Cup meant we weren't able to get there, but that would have been the highlight of the year without doubt if we could have got there. Yeah, that would have just been an insane day to just have like a NFL Red Zone EPL goal rush type of coverage on it as well. But anyway, um, just going back to that Morton Baker Power Bar game, I just went and dug up my notes on that. So uh, Sam Bambling opening the scoring on the 21st, 21st minute. Uh, Flo McIntyre scored an own goal, so it was 1-1. 28th minute, Whitney Knight, 31st minute, um, Larissa Crummer in the 40th minute, so it was 3-1 Palabar at half-time, Lena McDougall scored two goals in uh, 10 minutes, 51st and 61st minute, to make it 3-3, and then in the 90th minute, Crummer, well, she definitely announced herself to the competition for season 2021 with that winner, and uh, yeah, that was... 
my game of the season. And yeah, that was uh, pretty much where we'll leave it off. The Socceroos and Matildas, they had a few games here and there, but I think for them, 2022 is a much bigger year in terms of the national teams. So we'll move on. 2022, a very, very eventful 12 months coming up, both personally and uh, from a football perspective. And I suppose I should probably go first since I've uh, thrown you guys under the bus here and go for national team's uh, predictions. I'm going to say the Socceroos make the World Cup and record their first win since, I want to say, the uh, Serbia game in 2010. But they still missed the knockout stage. That is my prediction. And the Matildas, uh, they've got the Asian Cup coming up as well as I... Just quickly search through my footballing calendar. Yes, they've got that coming up. I'm going to say the uh, Matildas make the final of the Asian Cup, but for short. Adam, what are your national team's predictions for 2022? Uh, look, I actually think that Socceroos will make Qatar, but will do it the hard way. Uh, via, via the playoffs, they'll somehow, some way, be, be a miracle, um, because that's the way that we seem to do it. Uh, there's nothing easy about Socceroos. As for the Matildas, I actually reckon they will win the uh, Asian Cup. Uh, and I think it, signs will be positive uh, ahead of their preparations. Because after uh, the Asian Cup, it's full bore onto the World Cup. I'll keep it short and sharp, James. Um, 2005 revisited. Oh, God. Asian Cup champions. And... National team signing in Brisbane? Nah, actually, no, scrap that. That one, that's far-fetched. <laughs> that ain't going to happen. But the first two, I think, will happen. 2023 yeah. for the Socceroos. Uh, for the Matildas. They might turn up in 2023 as well, the Socceroos. They might be in the grandstand watching the game. All right. Uh, we'll keep the predictions rolling. Adam, A-League's predictions. Uh, look, I think... Uh, I can actually see Melbourne City doing the double again, men and women, win the club championship. Um, yeah, I, I just think at the moment they're just on. A, um, just a, they just seem to be a club that is stable, barring any sort of real COVID complications and whatnot. It seems to be about the only thing that seems to be stopping them. But yeah, I, look, I think both both squads, both men and women, are incredibly strong, and I think yeah that they are on track to probably uh, yeah do the double. Right, City, Stop. wrong team. I was going to say the exact same thing about victory, and you can probably, and you know what, they might they might do the cup as well because Popovich, I'm sure, will want to make a statement early in the year. They look like a really strong club across the board, and as we said earlier, Jeff Hopkins is a coach I don't bet against in any situation, so they look really strong with the raw. I think things will get better, but it might be a bit of a, a bit of a rough year. I'm going to say that the raws men and women will finish in the exact same position on the ladder. I'm going to say they both finish in sixth place, which for the men's will be good enough for a final spot, not so for the women. Uh, I'm going to guess that, and this one really isn't going out on a limb, but uh, Shay Connors takes out the club golden boot for the Raw A-League women. And for the men, I'm going to predict that Warren Moon makes a bit of a splash in January and brings back a favourite son. Not sure who, just got a uh, bit of a gut feeling. Best up, Brucia, coming home. 
Um, like so, uh, just quickly, my my raw predictions. Um, yeah, look, I, I I agree. I think things will be better than than what they are at the moment, but just probably both will probably fall short. I think it's it just seems like it's going to be a chaotic year for both for both clubs, you know, with COVID restrictions, and it's just gonna you know any momentum they get is just gonna be you know a, a knockout for them. So I think yeah, um, I think probably neither team will make the finals. All right, I'm also going to make a couple of just overall predictions. I'm going to guess that the Saturday night TV ratings will rise to the point where we're seeing 150,000 watching the game on 10 as uh, the clashes get more important as the season goes along. And from a league's perspective, I'm going to say that the season will finish on its originally scheduled date. Some of these teams might just have to suck it up and play some uh, midweek fixtures. Won't look great for crowds, but... I think they're going to make sure that they finish the season on time. I'll make one more raw prediction for you. I'll just piggyback off something. You said you said Shea Collins will be the top scorer for the A-League women's side. She'll yep. be the top scorer for the whole club. There we go. All right. Um, and finally, and we'll keep this a bit more generic, I suppose. Do we have a non-A-League, non-Socceroos prediction for Australian football in 2022? Scott, I'll let you go first here. Yeah, the National Second Division will be announced and it will be an absolute shit fight to see who gets into it. Oh! And who, who gets into it and who doesn't get into it and what happens with that. It's going to be an absolute mess. We, I think we all know how we'd like to see it happen, but I can see that being an absolute mess with teams and self-interest coming to the fore once again. So I'm intrigued to see how it pans out, but that will be announced probably pretty soon. Adam, uh, can you keep it clean, your prediction? Uh, look, I was I was also going to say um, my thing. I'll go away from the natural second division prediction because I'm otherwise I'll get another nasty tweet from that idiot down in Melbourne. He said, um, "Keep it clean." What are you doing? The idiot's not a. No, nah, anyway, um, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna say my my prediction is going to be that um, after after much sort of complaining about Paramount Plus that eventually that the football will go on to template for the, for the remainder of the season just until they iron out their issues with the um, just turning uh, Paramount from an AVOD to a um, to a, a, a platform that's capable of streaming live sport very regularly uh, Sidebar on Paramount Plus I want some NFL content, college football a lot more gridiron on there but anyway, I'm just going to keep. I'm just going to keep that campaign going on my own. Um, my non uh, raw non Socceroos prediction: the A League is going to announce a plan to expand to 16 teams by 2025 uh, in the uh, men's competition, and the women will uh, aim to be at that same point eventually. But the more pressing issue for the women will be a full home and away season. Scott? And just to piggyback off something, that, that, that quote-unquote idiot down in Melbourne from Adam, his club are going to, when it does get announced the 16-team A-League, they're going to relocate to Brisbane. They've already got half the place from here anyway. That'll be their best shot of making the A-League. <laughs> half, yes. three quarters, th- half three quarters, 90%, whatever. All right. So those are our predictions for 2022. I'm sure I will completely forget about them by the time we're recording in 12 months. But let's look a little bit more short-term. And coming up in the next few days, we will touch on this very quickly. Gold Coast Knights and Melbourne Victory will 
reportedly be playing their FFA Cup tie Thursday, December 30th, down at the Croatian Sports Centre at Carrara. Get down there if you can, or if you're already on the Gold Coast. Treat yourself to a night at the football. Adam, are we expecting anything uh, different than when we originally previewed this match? Um, no, I think that especially yeah, Melbourne Victory has sort of shown that they probably are going to be very, very tough to beat. And look, I agree that they can go deep into this this, um, this cup. And I unfortunately think that uh, Gold Coast Knights will be roadkill on the, on the road to to uh, to the, the cup final for um, for Melbourne Victory. So, so yeah, and let's just hope that the um, that the Snitzels were uh, at least saved from uh, last week. Thank you, Grim Reaper. I uh, will so I think I think that give us Scott McDonald's first game. In, I think they'll be competitive for about an hour, and then Victory will finish over the top of them again. They're in season. Gold Coast Knights are just beginning their pre-season, so it's a big disadvantage for them. But I think they'll give a good account of themselves for a while. Yeah. And I, that's what I kind of think. It'll be 1-0 uh, to the victory for quite a while. And then the uh, you know the professional side will run away with it, as we have seen many a times in these fixtures. I also kind of think from a momentum perspective for the victory, it's really important for them to pick up three points and do it in a... Con- well, not pick up three points, advance to the next stage and do it in a pretty convincing fashion as well. Because as we're seeing at the top of the uh, A-League ladder, it is going to be very competitive. Um, Hopefully Gold Coast then, Knights have got all their players on the contract so the NPL Victoria teams watching and scouting can't poach their players. We know they love to do that. Have I got yeah. enough shots in at NPL Victoria today, do you think? Nah. Nah. Um, Alright, uh, then the Raw's teams are meant to be playing a double header down at Amy Park against the Victory. All I can really say about that is we hope it goes ahead. It still seems like it's a bit touch and go. If it does... We will be here to wrap it up on the next edition of the Brisbane Football Review. A serious question. Do you reckon they'd do same-day travel for that down now, given the situation down there? It's both clubs, I hope not. Both men and women, so it might be even more difficult. They had to get down even earlier for the first game, so it'd be interesting to see how they manage that travel down there. But it's two massively really important games, isn't it, for the Raw? Hopefully they can come away with some points in those games, but it's two very difficult games. For sure. Adam, thoughts on the doubleheader? Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be very difficult, I think, for both for both men and women. I think they're playing a victory in on the women's side. I think victory will be women be looking for a bounce back after getting absolutely flogged by Hannah Wilkinson and uh, City in the derby uh, uh, over the weekend. And I think they'll be looking to bounce back. Uh, as for the men, I actually think the men will actually they'll put up a fight. I think um, I think it'll be it'll be a close one, but I think victory might just scrape home. Again, I think uh, it'll be. Well, I think we'll be talking about next week that you know Raw were brave, but um, just fell short against probably a more polished um, and informed victory side. And these Raw games actually might help the Knights as well because given it's only a 72-hour difference between the two games, James, you're probably going to see the second-string victory side up here playing against the Knights, so that gives them more of a chance. I imagine they would take no risks with the A-League men's game, but well, who knows? But if, if it is a second string team, that does give Knights a bit of a, a bit of a bit of hope. Exactly. All right, that is going to be it for this edition of the Brisbane Football Review. Happy New Year, Scott. Happy New Year to you, James, and all our listeners as well, and of course Adam. Happy New Year, Adam. <laughs> yeah, Happy New Year, guys, and uh, Happy New Year to all our our listeners. Yes, what they said. Happy New Year to everybody listening. We hope there will be a bit more football to talk about in a week's time, but. 
in the meantime, enjoy your new year. Get out to the football if you can. Otherwise, tune in in any way, shape or form possible. This has been the Brisbane Football Review. We'll talk to you next week.